But the process is universal that you have to have a self-compassion from where you're at. You have to have a good relationship with the pain and your failures. Um, you have to have goals and you have to allow yourself the time and the many different decisions that you make, the small steps that count big, whether it be recovery and sleep or mindfulness or mental training or physical exercise, right? They're not spectacular things to become great. They're, they're doing all the little things consistently that multiply over time. And You're about to listen to an interview for EWS. Intending to provide educational information from various domains in psychology, physical exercise or motor learning, an experienced professional joins in the conversation with our funnel, assisting EWS mission of building a mindset and methodology that can optimize both sport performance and mental health. Hope you enjoy and for that I leave you with your host Gonzalo Marques. Hi dear listener, today I present you a conversation I was very glad to engage in. Our guest fits like a glove to EWS and may I say that after watching him for a couple of minutes online I didn't give a second thought on emailing him asking him to join in this interview. And what can I start to mention about him? Well, he has tremendous experience helping coaches and athletes from grassroots to elite levels. As well, he has this great experience in engaging in public speaking events and online. Plus, to my appreciation, and similar to my path, he is both a clinical and sports psychologist, specializing in removing barriers to peak performance, as it's mentioned in his bio on his website at dreddyoconnor.com. Wait, just a useful reminder. We know you're investing precious time here. So you can also efficiently work your listening experience by checking the timestamps at the end of this episode show notes. You can click over them to jump directly to the pieces that you find most interesting to your needs and wishes. As for my wish, your review and subscription to EWS Podcast. By doing so, we will be able to offer the listeners more quality content regularly to improve the mental game in sports and work. Until you decide on that, keep enjoying this. He is a fellow and certified mental performance consultant through the Association for Applied Sports Psychology and member of the United States Olympic Committee Sports Psychology Registry. Dr. Eddie has worked with youth, high school, collegiate, national and international and junior pre-Olympic athletes and coaches, as well as performing artists and musicians. Dr. Eddie is frequently sought after by the media, having appeared on Fox News, being a featured guest on Sirius XM's Doctor Radio, and quoted in ESPN.com, NBA.com, Los Angeles Times, Runner's World, and CNN.com. He is author and host of The Psychology of Performance, How to Be Your Best in Life, by The Great Courses, an online platform considered like the Netflix of learning. And just to solidify the ideas I've presented so far, our guest today has over 350 speaking engagements and media appearances, and for many, delivers a powerful and entertaining message at the same time to his audience. I should just highlight 
<clears throat> that if you get interested or in him or anything that you listen next, that he guides his work by a motto that goes by overcoming obstacles to excellence and has on his website a free video series explaining these more in depth, as well as some detailed thoughts on when positive thinking doesn't work. Our conversation in this episode ranged on topics like failure, one's perceptions and reactions around that, the traits and menaces of positive thinking, there you go, and of course around his motto, overcoming obstacles to excellence, and still about flow estates and other stories related to psychological experiences during sporting events. I got in contact with him via Instagram, his profile is at sportsdoctoreddy, and I was very glad by that. What is shared there by him is truly remarkable and stands out from other profiles aimed to assist athletes' performance. I hint you especially for the IGTV section of his profile, again at sportsdreddy. And backing this up a little bit before jumping into the conversation, I truly advise you to have him in consideration and give it a go on at least listening as he has a solid academic background and experience. He produces content aimed to help in great amounts and consistency, plus, again, he provides ideas that go much beyond what one is used to hear online among motivational speeches and guys that guarantee that one can quickly and easily reach one's full potential if one follows his advice. He's much more than that. He is understandable, he's empathic, careful, and encouraging beyond level. For all these reasons, I may find myself considering him an Olympic-level sports psychologist. Besides having found a considerable amount of people on these areas that I enjoy listening and the way they share useful ideas for athletes, this man hooked me in a way simply above average with me wanting to hear bit after bit after bit of the talks he participated in. Again, I love the way he unites quick examples and stories to the main concepts that can assist any person in her performance areas, and I firmly believe he effectively helped athletes during tougher times. Plus, this is a reason why I'm not afraid of raising the bar and your expectations for this essential interview for EWS. By telling that, I'm sure that this man is a perfect fit to guide us all on a path of efficiently work sports. Thus, it's an honor to me to welcome you, Eddie O'Connor. Oh, thank you so much. That is a beautiful introduction, and I, I really appreciate what you have to say. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. Yeah, me too. And it's deserved for sure, for me at least. And uh, well, first, uh, I'm not going to ask you to tell about yourself. I just mentioned uh, some of that on the intro, but please tell us about your passage through athletics yourself and how you came face to face with sports psych more specifically. Please share with us a little bit of your journey on that sense. Yeah, well, well the quick story is I, I always love psychology. I was a, a, a nerd in high school where I would read Freud for fun, analysis of dreams. So like I always knew there's something in psychology about how people work that interests me. And I was a runner in high school and I had my own 
mental issues without knowing it. There's a lot of time to be in your head when you're a runner and never really reached my potential. And then the last class I took in college was sports psychology. And I immediately knew, I was like, whoa, I didn't know this existed. Like that would have been great eight years ago. And so I also knew that I still wanted to stay within clinical psychology because I always had that passion for helping people through the difficulty and thought this would be just a beautiful union. So I went to graduate school and I became a clinical psychologist, but studied all the things that athletes most suffer from. So specialized in pain and injury, um, uh, the obvious anxiety and depression and do a lot in particular with performance anxiety now as my career has gone on. And it's just been a beautiful synergy where I'm as excited about the field today as I was before in part because like this is really practical information. Like I was always jealous that I can't do anything around the house to, you know, I can't do the electric. I can't change the oil in my car. Like I'm really not a practical person, but being a psychologist, I found as life has gone on has been the best skill to have because all kinds of problems show up in all kinds of areas. So, you know, I, I can't help you change a light bulb, but, um, I'm really excited about this field, not only for the people that I can help, but because I go along this journey with each and every one of you. Um, it's constantly hard to be great. Constantly hard to be great. <laughs> and uh, I just really embrace that as sort of like the philosophy of life and, and the way to live is to look at the things that get in the way. And we can be motivated by goals and achievements and that stuff. But I've always seen the world as like, yeah, but man, if it was that easy, we'd all be awesome. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so anyway, that, that's sort of how my philosophy came through and how I still live it to this day, you know, try to get through the tough stuff. Yeah. And before I ask you what you currently do more specifically on that area, because you are a clinician too, and I would love to hear uh, how you reconcile a bit of both. One thing that I love, uh, that I've heard from you uh, on other places and on your Instagram videos. Um, it was the fact that you transpired a lot of empathy and uh, it's like you were talking there on helping and resolving each case. And that's a thing we will go through this interview because it's not like we can give a, a solution that fits all. And uh, yeah. I like that empathy and responsiveness of yours. Uh, so yeah, what are you currently doing? Yeah, so um, I got my hands in a couple of things, which is pretty, pretty exciting. So I have, um, after COVID and everything, especially I, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one telehealth consulting and I work within two domains. So one, I'll, I'll do the mental training. So mental toughness training, being better, more consistent than your opponents and remaining determined, focused, confident, in control under pressure. I kind of think of it as, you know, athletes who are fine and they really want that psychological edge. But then as a clinical psychologist, then I'll also work with the athletes or high performers, because it's not just athletes. I've worked with musicians, um, actors, actresses, you know, high performance professions, people have to perform under pressure and, you know, then deal with the issues that get in the way. Performance anxiety seems to be, for whatever reason, what people are drawn to me to help with um, the most, but then also uh, you know, stress management and relationship issues, um, things of that nature. So I'll bounce between that sort of clinical sports psychology and mental training. And then a really exciting project. Um, it's only about seven months old now is Success Stories membership. So it's a monthly membership that I have for a community of high achievers to overcome these obstacles. So I'm putting together more and more modules of the things that I do with my performers one-on-one, -on -one, but then creating a membership where there's a community that could support it and you can work at your own pace. 
So I'm very excited about this being a very cost-effective and self-paced um, product that people can join um, and uh, you know get all of my best stuff organized but on demand. Um, so that's the second big project, and that, that's probably where the, the two big things are. And I'll I'll go out and I'll do speaking when uh, when groups need. There was less of that during COVID, but certainly uh, the more people I can reach, um, and I hope that even my my social media feeds can do that. I try to make them very service oriented and mental toughness in 60 seconds, like, you know, pack a punch with something that can help. So I try to do that pretty regularly twice a week, get something posted. And that's, I guess this is a quick summary, but, uh-huh. uh, just like I said, to help as many people, um, cause life is hard. <laughs> so if I can, if I can bring some joy or, yeah. or help you get through something, and not only to, to, to athletes and those high performers, because many principles and you share those principles on those minutes you were talking and content on social media and, and yeah, the things on your website, uh, which all will be links in the description on, of this episode, by the way. Um, but I love that. And uh, let's let's start. Uh, let's go through from the, here um, to your like tagline you have on the website, <laughs> um, which is overcoming obstacles to excellence. Um, well, I'm sure we will keep branching from there to several relevant topics as you also prompted there. But yeah, please first write us along this. What does it say about your passion again? And how does it manifest in the work you have with athletes and coaches more closely? Yeah. Yeah, it really evolved to that tagline because like I loved how a lot of my colleagues were working in the NFL or this or that. And it was always like the mental training. But I'd for a while, I'd started to forget about what I really was born to do and get into, which was sort of the clinical aspect. Um, but I was really like, I love excellence. Like I love the idea of being your best. And so I kept, you know, being drawn into the the, the mental skills training. But then I also found that a lot of that stuff, I'm like, well, why aren't I doing it? like, you know, setting the consistent goals and being motivated and positively thinking and all that other stuff that I had learned. And I, a lot of my clients, like half of them couldn't do it. And it started to really realize, I'm like, man, there's always something naturally human that keeps getting in the way. Like we're all motivated. We don't have to increase our motivation, but it's like motivation for what? And I discovered, you know, our bodies really like things to be easier. We don't like pain. Well, and we'll never like pain. <laughs> and when I worked with my endurance runners as maybe the best example, so many of them came to me because they'd have like, if it was a 5k, they'd have difficulty in the middle mile. And the more I talked to them, the more it was like, well, of course, like if you want to run as fast as you ever have, your body's going to scream against that. Why would you even expect to, to be comfortable? Yeah. To and be this a is an honest process. question. Right. Like you want to go as fast as you've ever gone, do something you've never done. So that idea of overcoming obstacles to excellence is we perceive them as obstacles and adversity. But I think the whole key to excellence ends up being how do you change your relationship to the difficult things? Biologically, you're not broken. Like almost every anxious athlete that I've ever seen, by the end of the first session, I'm like, look, you're normal. You are so anxious about losing or disappointing others simply because you care. Like, look, you're really talented. Like it's the person who really sucks on your team that should be more nervous about losing than you, right? And they laugh because they know it's like, yeah, they, I could kick that person's butt. 
but they're not in talking to me. And it's not that they don't care, but you care so much. Excellence is so important to you. So your mind ends up trying to protect you with this. And it becomes harder because the more you want to do, the more the competition and the more effort you have to put in um, is required, right? So all these goals that we have invite adversity and challenges. Just like that runner who wants to run faster than he or she ever has, invites pain into the process because you're pushing your muscles, you're taxing your oxygen and pain goes along with that. And when you realize that the pain is part of the process and you spend time developing a relationship with that pain and reinterpreting it, not to switch it to positive thinking, but realistically understanding, hey, my lugs are burning and my legs are just filled with lactic acid and I feel like I can't go anymore. Instead of it being a miserable experience of my body saying, get out, get out, get out. Oh my gosh, I might lose. You want to relate to it and be like, you know what? This is a sign that I am really pushing towards my goal and I'm, I'm on the verge of achieving what I really want. And this pain is worth it. And if I didn't have this pain, I wouldn't be close to my goal. And that goes with relationships when you have difficult relationships and you know, it's hard as a father, you know, if things are rough with my kids, of course I would love them to be perfect kids and not do anything wrong and never get hurt. But I remind myself each time, here's an opportunity to be a dad. Like they don't know anything. And they won't know anything for the rest of their life because I'll always be older and more wise. <laughs> but I hope for the rest of the lives of my kids that I can be like, they're learning, right? So when they make a mistake, I don't want to be angry about it, right? Coaches, when our athletes make a mistake, why do we get so angry? If we think about it, that makes no sense. They are here to learn. <laughs> we learn through mistakes and our relationship with mistakes has to change to make it healthy. Now, if these are mistakes that you're doing because you're not listening or you're making the same mistake over and over again, that's different. Blaming, 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 not validating. Another big problem, yeah. you're right. But I'm <laughs> talking about the mistakes that most of my athletes are afraid to make, which is, hey, I'm learning this new thing. I don't have it yet and I don't wanna make a mistake in a game. And I'm like, practice Pressure. it, make that mistake because you'll learn what not to do. This is part of the learning. And I, I implore coaches and parents that when you see your children, your young athletes, making these honest mistakes in good effort, that you reward their bravery, that you give them loving corrections, but you, you really accept it and never punish the mistakes that happen because it's essential to growth. We don't like them, but I, we have to relate to it that way. Man, so you nailed it like almost every topic I, w I had prepared here for our questions, <laughs> but that was so good. I, I didn't want to, to stop you there and maybe we can develop and revel more of each of those uh, next. Um, but yeah, coming back on the quotation, overcoming obstacles to excellence, um, at first sight, it can lead oneself astray, like thinking well, this is another one of those motivational speaker guys and that will say to me that I can be limitless or that I w have to work hard. Like if you do so-and-so, there is no obstacle stopping you. Um, but yeah, you, you talked about uh, embracing pain, having a different relationship with the obstacles, how we view, how we perceive them. Uh, so it's much different than that first sight. And with that being said, uh, please, just as a quick story, I know you have uh, retrieved us back to to the beginning of your career where you got a bit ashamed for what you had written on your business card, shall we? Oh, gosh. <laughs> 
Yeah. Just oh, so to give the, to this one. contrast <laughs> because it's important. Well, well, I do like to say that I like to think that with my audience and my colleagues um, or clients rather, that I am really going through this with you. And so, you know, I was in love with the idea of excellence. And so on my business card, I came up with a great tagline. So I thought of, um, because average isn't good enough, right? Because you want to win. And, you know, not that I hated average, but it's like, that wasn't the point of excellence. I, you know, my, my business at the time was called the Performance Excellence Center. It's about excellence, about winning. It's about gold. It's about, we're really on top. And my marketing director at the place I was employed had um, looked at it and she had this look of disgust on her face. And she was like, oh, and I'm like, what? And I just kind of looked at her like, well, you know, she's like, that's, she just didn't like it. And I was like, well, you don't get it. Like, right. It's all about this great stuff. But then I had a string of athletes and then it gave me insight into myself of how exhausting that was. Because excellence, as we've talked about, is really, really hard. And if I say average isn't good enough, there's a whole lot of things that I'm average in. And there's a whole lot of things I'm not any good at. So you might look at it in one particular way, but as a general human being, I would imagine I'm an average human being. I got pluses and minuses and strengths and weaknesses. And I realized that I had such an achievement orientation and I was so obsessed with this excellence that I wasn't aware of personally, you know, the negative message on the that I was sending, not only to myself, but then on this business card and to the people I may have been working with, right? Kind of against what I'd said about the mistakes, you know, average isn't good enough. Like that's a terrible phrase. Like we're all haunted by I'm not good enough. Last thing you needed is on my business card that if you don't achieve excellence and whatever that might be in your mind, because if excellence in your mind is a gold medal, like that is a terrible message. Like, my gosh, you got to the Olympics. You got to Olympic trials. You won state. You took third in, in a race. You completed your first 5K. What is excellence? You know, that's a, it's, it's our personal standard. So it really started to reframe it. So then I had the stack of hundreds of business cards. I just had to get rid of all of them. Cause once I realized it, I'm like, oh, now I get what Meg was talking about. This is horrible. This is a terrible message. Average isn't good enough. Because to tell you the truth, again, my, a lot of my athletes taught me this. A very average life might be the per perfect vision of excellence for somebody. Because excellence in one particular area requires so much. Sacred. That you have to sacrifice in everything else. So if your vision of excellence is to have a very happy home life, be good at work, be fit, you know, have some relaxation, have good savings, and you're, you're kind of average at everything, that might be the best life of all. <laughs> you know, this, this, I don't believe in balance. I kind of believe more in harmony, you know, like, but, but as you put into one, you can't put into 20 other things. And so I find that that becomes a much healthier view. So yeah, on my card, it said, you know, because average isn't good enough. And then I really realized that was a terrible message. Uh, I got to be really careful about what is excellence, what is average. And then I evolved into the other one of like, man, this is all hard. I'm like, that's a better tagline. How do we overcome this difficulty? Mm -hmm. That I'm still content with. Mm -hmm. That I still think mm -hmm. is universally true. Yeah. Yeah. Because the contrast, uh, at least for me also here uh, along the lines you, you are saying, it's coming from an approach and a more an adaptive approach where excellence, uh, yeah, first, like obstacles are the things to get rid of and uh, average is not good enough, basically. 
because we want to be excellent so we can win and we it's like a personal standard that is more fixed and yeah. is is building up more pressure and uh, like mm -hmm. a sense of obligation and not being good enough as a person and not being able to achieve so it's like paying a toll and being heavy on 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 performers in this case right uh, and so it's coming from that perspective onto one where excellence can be achieved moment by moment like yes. malleable standards if yes. one did like i don't know about the times in the 5k you were talking about the races <laughs> but uh, uh, let's make up a number x uh on on the total time that we can use to run run it we can make we can not just look at it like the finish time but moment by moment what can i do from this piece of the the running better than last time so yeah bit by bit we can look at it more at ease and embracing pain and looking at failure in different ways so that would be yeah. the other topics here. Uh, well, and that's, you, you, you summarized it beautifully because when we tend to think of excellence, we have this comparison, like, you know, who's ever the best in the sport or a championship, we've got this really narrow definition of it. And for some people that can truly be excellence. Like if you're a professional player, you know, this, you know, the winning and the comparisons have to be it. But for the majority of us, you know, we're, we're not going to go to the Olympics. Does that mean we're not excellent? No, I love the way that you're putting it. It's like, even the way that the elite get there, they would still do it in the way that you just talked about, which is the idea that we can only start where we are and we can only move from where we are here and like get 1% better every day. It's another phrase that I've heard. I don't know who to give credit to, but I, but I love it because that's what the greatest in the world have done because you have to deal with where you're at. And it's, it's consistent improvement. Somebody else told me that excellence is being good consistently. <laughs> and I like that too, because it really allows for the process of, you know, those mistakes, the learning and, and being good over a period of time, like that longevity of it. Well, what you just heard was something probably easy to understand. But to assimilate this or put it into practice is a harder task for sure. At EWS, we aim to translate the theory and mental principles into practice the best way possible. But it all comes down to you. Take a moment to really reflect. Is this good for me? What can I do today to implement it? Again, the keyword practice. How can you translate this into practice? Practice it and go ahead. Keep enjoying the process of efficiently working sports. And so these are not, I want to say to the audience that these are not ways to soften or let off the pressure and to kind of make it soft and say, oh, well, everybody's excellent because that's not true. I mean, I have the greatest respect of their objective determinants of it, but the process is universal that you have to have a self-compassion from where you're at. You have to have a good relationship with the pain and your failures. Um, you have to have goals and you have to allow yourself the time and the many different decisions that you make, the small steps that count big, whether it be recovery and sleep or mindfulness or mental training or physical exercise, right? They're not spectacular things to become great. They're, they're doing all the little things consistently that multiply over time. And understanding excellence in that way. And again, 
realizing that, that you have personal excellence. Like this comparison game, I've been a victim of it and I've made myself feel really bad a lot of times looking at myself in any number of areas and being like, I can't do what he can do. I don't have what she has. And it's a poisonous way that we do it as human beings and it's catastrophic to performers because they got nothing to do with us. However fast they're running or how much money they can put into training. Like when we start comparing, we lose the focus on what we control and what we can do. And that becomes deadly. So to your point, as you had said it earlier, you know, if I have X and I want to run five seconds faster, that's where all my control is. And you keep doing that day after day after day, you know, you could end up getting to a, a personal best. You likely will. And that personal best might be a world record. It's just a matter of time and intensity, but the process is the same. Mm -hmm. And we hope that the person gets satisfied along the way and love the process and not only reaching that, uh, that, uh, ultimate goal, which can be there, right? Yeah, and I would challenge, I would say not hope. Uh, I think it would be necessary for the amount of time that that would take that they have to enjoy. We have to enjoy the process. I mean, if we're just doing it for the outcome, again, look at the Olympians. If you're only going to be happy every four years, if you win a medal, that is not a way to live. You know, but can you enjoy the process of growing? Do you enjoy your training? And again, it's not always fun but you appreciate the growth. Can you, and this is one of the big things too here is like, we're always focused on all the things we're doing wrong. Are you recognizing where your growth is? You know, how you, how you handled that mistake, the one more rep that you did. Like you, those are the things to celebrate. You know, that's improvement. That's, that's putting you on the right path and that builds momentum. And it's real. Like the thing I don't like about positive thinking a lot of times is the difficulty to think positive in really crappy situations. Like people will often say that you feel sad. Oh, think positive. Look at the bright side. I'm like, no, no, no. Look at both sides because they're both real. Don't ignore the bad because the more you ignore the bad, the louder the bad gets because your body is like, hey, it's like a big bear in front of you. And if you're like, don't worry about the bear, don't pay attention to it. That's going to terrify me because there's a bear in front of me. I'm only going to pay more attention to it. And you're scaring the hell out of me because you're telling me not to pay attention to the things I'm afraid of. And my athletes, I find this when people are telling them, oh, you're so good, don't worry about it, you'll do fine. It just makes my athletes more anxious because nobody's hearing or respecting that they're worried about losing or, or embarrassing other people. I take the opposite approach. I'm like, you should be really scared of this. They're like, what? I'm like, of course you could. I, I mean, that'd be terrible to embarrass things. And they're like, wait, hold on. This isn't what you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be making me feel better. Yeah. I don't want to make you feel better. I want to make you perform better. You have every right to be scared about striking out or making a mistake or losing. You put a lot into this. Now my question is, with that fear, what do you do with it? How do you play with it? Because that fear is not going to go anywhere. If it goes somewhere, it means you care less, and that's a problem. Mm. I don't want you caring less. I want you to care just as much as you do, but realize that your mind's not a fortune teller. It's not telling you what's going to happen. It's telling you what could. So our response to the negative thinking isn't positive thinking. It's not ignoring it. That would put us in a worse situation. That's why our anxiety actually gets worse. It's dangerous to think positively in a negative situation. Think proactively. Think productively. Well, how do I solve this? How do I protect myself? How do I, how do I be sure that I don't lose? Well, I better study more, or I better take some rest, or I better train more. And and first of all, and maybe the end of all, how do I relate better with these things? And and let exactly. me let me grab you on on exactly what you said because it's totally part of uh, like our motto here at EWS to efficiently work sports. It's like to validate our experiences. Uh, so we 
you were talking about uh, positive thinking and we can branch from there from the common views on positive psychology and I don't want to denigrate here positive psychology because Absolutely. it has a, a lot of great things and studies scientifically uh, explored um, agreed but um, yeah we have a wider scope of emotions with us trying to inform us of something so if we avoid them or if we um, mistrust them and don't take them into consideration on several on seven emotions that Paul Ekman told us that we have basic emotions only two of them can be considered more positive so we can have a perspective here also yeah I don't like our chances of living in positivity with those odds right <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And, and from all of these I may I may ask you if you consider it as a goal uh, to be at ease Uh, with difficult emotions in the field or in other tougher moments? Is it a goal, like, to be at ease? Um, good question. Let me dance around this one a little bit uh -huh. and, and pick apart the words. I, I would say, in an abrupt answer, I would say no, not to be at ease. Because what that suggests to me is that we are still then prioritizing how we feel. And that's what makes me nervous. It's, a, it's almost like a, a backwards way of still saying, I, I want to get out of the distress or the adversity. I want to feel better. Well, if I can become, and that's why this, the, the cliche, get comfortable being uncomfortable, I kind of have issue with that because I'm like, well, then if you're comfortable, you're no longer uncomfortable and then you're not growing. So I'd rather substitute the word being at ease with acceptance. Now, most people think that they know what acceptance is. I worked with chronic pain for many years. And when I would suggest to them that they had to accept their chronic pain, I remember one guy who was like, man, I've got this for 20 years. You don't think I accept it? And I'm like, okay, I clearly didn't explain this the right way. I'm like, I know you know that you have it. But you can feel the conflict, even the word coping, if I'm getting it correct, I can't remember what the root language it comes from, but I believe it means to strike. So when we try to cope with something, it's implying a battle. Yeah. And to like if I'm that. diabetic, so if I, have, if I have to cope with my diabetes, it means I don't like my diabetes, I don't want it. And there's always some level of conflict that I have to handle it. But if I accept that I have diabetes, I still don't like to take my blood sugars and, you know, take insulin and do all that other stuff, but I'm not at battle with it. It's like, it's, it's something that I do. It's a part of my life and it doesn't take up a lot of mind space. And so I acknowledge the reality of it. I follow my diet. I take my insulin and I do the things that I have to do that other people don't have to do. I have sadness about it and I accept the sadness, but it doesn't disrupt my life and it doesn't take up too much of my life. And that's what I mean when you say about, you know, the ease in that aspect of it, yes. Like I want when there's adversity in my life to be a, just a part of my life. As you had mentioned about the positive versus negative emotions, we have to make room for all seven of those. And I can enjoy the two, but if I'm going to be experiencing the other five, I want to know that they're time limited because even the happiness doesn't stay. And when I'm happy, I've met people who are like, oh my gosh, now I'm upset because I don't want the happiness to go away. It's like the end of a vacation. You know, it's like, oh no, I'm already upset, but I'm still in this wonderful island. <laughs> and it's going to come and it's going to go. So how do we keep what my goal ultimately is your performance or your values or the way of living, the person that you want to be always primary? Like that's ultimately the goal when I work with people is, are you living your meaningful life? Are you living a life of purpose? And if your purpose is working out or be healthier, having that wonderful marriage or staying in shape or you know, doing well at your job, whatever it is, can you do that with all the feelings that show up? 
because you're human and we're not going to beat them. Nobody's ever gotten rid of sadness. But yet, how many books and like this drove me nuts in chronic pain. How many books are written about curing chronic pain? I'm like, that's like unethical, I feel like. I'm like, it's chronic pain. Chronic means it's not going to go away. And you're, you're selling a book that says the cure for chronic pain. Like that's to me unethical. <laughs> it sets the patient up for failure. So like my runners, as I say, please go into your workouts and your training and embrace the pain. You don't have to love it, but embrace it as part of the process. And we have to do that as human beings, I think, with all of these things. Like if somebody dies, if you go through a breakup and people say, oh, well, let's cheer up and let's get you onto the positive. I'm like, honor those feelings for the love that was lost. Cry after you lose a game. Don't worry about like not showing tears. There's no crying in baseball. Like, why not? Wow, that really sucked. We lost. Embrace it. Process it. And then it'll go. And then you get back to working at it. Because I love the way you would put it. Because that's what's real, right? That's, that's the real experiences. That's genuine. That's authentic. And that's when we're our best selves. Two things right from there. Uh, one is on being sad or being disappointed, frustrated after an important loss. Well, wouldn't, would you like to be not uh, frustrated, right? Like it would be taking off the reality and the authenticity, uh, like you've said, and also the nervousness, uh, that uh, prospection of coming into Olympics, for example, as you've touched on. It's like impossible to not be, to not feel like humped up and anxious yeah. on a moment like that um, and all this conversation retrieves me to ACT I, I guess you are familiar with it acceptance and commitment therapy we will not dive in here unfortunately as for time restraints but uh, maybe I, I will put some links on the description to guide uh, some of our listeners because this is a school of thought uh, on psychotherapy more specifically that many other professionals and athletes can benefit from. Um, I'm thinking about values-guided actions here, uh, one of their pillars, and all of your messages and what you are talking here uh, gets through this, because let's pick up the example of pain again, of uh, being able to be with it, embrace it, relate with it in a more adaptive way. Um, Along these, uh, pain gets more obsolete and not taking a toll so much on our performance, I guess, because it is a precondition and congruent to our consistent goal, right? It's in service of the goal, this pain. Mm -hmm. It's part of the process. And uh, yeah, again, internal obstacles and gaining awareness and acceptance. You talked, I guess, beyond the habitual conversations on acceptance because sometimes it gets the sense to people uh, it gets confounded with resignation right and we are not yes. uh, uh, selling that for lack of a better word well you and i want to pause here because you bring up a very good point people do confuse that so i just got to accept it as it is and it, you can always tell by the tone but what you suggested was really it, it it's it's that connection to like, no, you're willing to feel what you must in service of your goal or your value. Like there's a purpose in your pain. That's not resignation, right? I mean, we can still say, look, if it hurts and you can get out of it, if, if you're thinking negatively and you can think positively and it works better, then act, acceptance to commitment therapy would say, well, then do that. 
Like it's, it's functional, you know, that, that's what mm. we really want to get to. How do you live your best life? So if you can think, take a more positive approach and it works, then do that. But it's just that there's so many things that we can't. Like, again, you can't run a personal best and not feel pain. That's unrealistic. And that's where you're going to get frustrated. You know, you can't be in a relationship and not have conflict. You know, if you're going to look for that, you're going to constantly be breaking up and looking for, you know, a perfect relationship that doesn't exist. But when you're in pain, can your pain have meaning? You know, can you be willing? That's the word that I love. Can you be willing to feel or experience the bad stuff in service of what the outcome will be? It's like, am I going to, I like to use this other example. Like I want this really big screen TV and it's $4,000, but I've only got $200 and that's all I want to spend. So if I go to the store and I put that on there and they're like $4,000 and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I just want to pay $200. they are like, well, there's that small black and white TV over there that you can have. I'm like, I don't want that. that, that that's, I want this one. And they're like, well, it's going to be $4,000. i am like, no, but I really, really want it. I just don't want to pay for it. Come on, can we do something? You, like, you never have this argument in the store. You either pay the $4,000 and get the big thing that you want, or you say, you know what, it's not worth it. Maybe I'll spend $500 and I'll get this small TV over here. You just have to understand that there's a cost. And we don't argue with, in the stores about that, but we do that with our emotions, you know, as if there's going to be no cost to the greatness that we want. Life is hard. I mean, what another cliche, but the respect that I have for it, you know, the res- that's where the respect for excellence comes out. And that's why, again, going back to the original point, this is why I hate that average isn't good enough. Average is fine. Average can be a wonderful life, but if you want to pay the price of excellence, you have to pay a price. So let's not all run around and think everybody's great and everybody has to be excellent. And if you're not, you're, you're lesser than, you know, it, it comes at a cost. And you really have to personally decide if it's worth it. And I have so much respect for that choice. And let me, I love those quick metaphors you use. Let me try to spur another one. Uh, I will retrieve from EWS episode 60, uh, where I talked with Dr. Tim Pinot a man uh, behind the Mindful Sport Performance uh, podcast and has a program on mindful uh, mindfulness in sports for athletes, m- mainly, um, where we were saying uh, that something in the lines of awareness and acceptance of what is present ultimately allows for greater responsiveness to the self and the environment, providing freedom from the reflexive or automatic rea- reactions that so often guide our actions. Uh, so what do you have to say about this? And what do you want to comment regarding athletes in this conversation? Some specific examples or story? There? Yeah, I mean, I agree with it 100%. I mean, I think it's beautifully written. Um, to maybe use it in more conversational terms, the thing that really mm. grips me with that is, is how do we get grounded in the reality? I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I spend a fair amount of time in my fantasy world, <laughs> like between dreams and aspirations and what I would like. And I've, I've really realized that while it can and, and, and excite me, sometimes those fantasies are there to protect me from and, and, and don't let me accept what actually is that I really have to deal with. You know, um, the frustration or the failure or the dream not coming true. And the more time that we spend defending ourselves in that fantasy, um, while it protects us in the short term, 
much to what this quote says is that it moves us out of the present moment and the objective reality of what is. And if we're not in touch with that, then we can't do what we really have to do and move from in order there. to move on. Exactly. And this is where we get stuck. But accepting some of those realities means opening yourself up, not resigning to it, as you said before, but opening ourselves up to that pain of what was lost. Yeah, and, and, and let, let me try to connect all of these and bringing that concept of uh, doing our best because being at our A-level constant, constantly is uh, pretty hard and we have to accept the fact that we have uh, better days than others. Um, I, I practice a sport called Frescobol. It is the classical big rackets. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, so it's a fast racket sport where we have a ball and I play with a uh, not an opponent in front of me, a partner. And um, we try to make the game f as fast as possible to like give us excitement and uh, give us some reflexes. So it's pretty cool on that. And um, just this past weekend, I was playing with a partner of mine and he was very much frustrated because he was not being able to handle the racket as he used to. And so he wasn't uh, being able to bring his best level again. And he was very frustrated with that. And in a game like this, is very collaboratively, is very collaborative, sorry. And we communicate a lot and... Um, Yeah, he, uh, he he he's known, and I guess he knows it, but he's known as a, a player that plays very well, plays strongly, defends very well, but uh, some plays get lost because he gets too much humped up. He can't control his excitement. And on this case, on this past weekend, was a combination of that and of not accepting I'm prompting you here for these concepts. He, I guess he was not accepting the fact that he was, wasn't able to make our best plays as we can do other times. And it took a toll on him, on me, unfortunately. But anyhow, he could be making his efforts, right? Uh, so this is just to, again, connect all this that we are talking and asking you like some more practical uh, conversation or like what could he do on that circumstance because all of these make sense and to apply it consistently is another different harder story right um yeah what do you have to say on his or some tips for him <laughs> or yeah, me so on I'll give, this case i'll give the 60 second version as i said mental toughness is 60 huh. seconds like the quick fix to this um and sometimes we can develop this a little bit more but it comes out to be one of my favorites is that look if you want to win You have to focus on what's important now, W-I-N. And I think that might be appropriate for your teammate and for all of us. I use this all day, every day, because we have a tendency to get stuck in the past or be fearful of the future. And this is what a lot of the ACT and the mindfulness approaches are about, about how do you stay present right now. And in your sport and as in many others, if you're a half second ahead or behind, right, it's catastrophic. So the need to be present in what's happening right now as it's happening is where our best performances always are. So when we get emotional, it's because we're either, again, fearful of the future or holding on to some past mistake. We're not present. So a quick refocus is to say what's important now. And you give yourself, you talk to yourself like a coach. There's an action step. It's get into the ready position. It's to hustle. It's to communicate more. It's to, you know, whatever it is. Um, is to look at the person in front of me, is to stop thinking and start listening. Like you'll always have a different answer, 
but get into the habit of asking yourself that question. If you're feeling overly excited, a lack of motivation, confused, overwhelmed, what's important right now? There will only be one answer. And if you can trust that question and invest in that answer and ask it frequently, you can practice bringing yourself into the present moment more consistently. And I promise each and every one of you listening, your performance will go up. Hey you, athlete, student, or worker of some kind, we want to know real cases. So tell us, from what you've heard, what have you been missing out? What is one idea that popped into your mind while listening? Feel free to share in the comments so we can assist you further. See ya! The challenge is that people don't ask themselves that question. So there's nothing magical about it. You gotta ask the question. But if you yeah. do and pay attention to the answer, you can have an immediate improvement in your performance. I, I, I love it. Uh, like, just to make sure, the question would be, what's important now? Win. Yeah. So great. Awesome. Because it could be a like a way to stop the person from getting entangled and getting more and more frustrated and his performance probably going down because his focus is not on the controllables, like the approach the stance he the way he holds the racket the way he prepares and more so on these fast sports because like you've said uh, half a second or less than half a second uh, literally here can be the difference of hitting a ball well or or making it go to the ground so another thing that i've told him on that occasion was that he was letting uh, the one tenth, tenth of a second to uh, make him uh, having a bad experience in playing there. Whereas in another 100 touches we did well on the ball, he was uh, not taking that into consideration. It was a good yeah. performance after all, a good enough performance. So, And that's yeah. a great... Um, the way you've put that, that's a great conversation and, and debrief that you want to have afterwards to um well more so afterwards because it's like well then how long does that last or if there's a time break but it's hard for us to kind of do that when we're overwhelmed with the emotions we're stuck in the past because we made that mistake we're pissed at ourselves because we had done it where it's a highly emotional state and it's it's a lot of rational thinking to try to think well take it you know take it into consideration back up and get perspective what i love about win is that my guess would be and of course i'm making this up but if he had that moment might say all right well what's important now the emotional reaction would be that I made that mistake and I'm disappointing my team. And then I ask it quietly again, is that what's important right now? Then the athlete in me would show up and be like, I can't do anything about that. Like I know that experientially. What's important now is the point in front of me. It's this next serve or this next hit because that's factually true. And so my hope is that by asking that question throughout a game, it does multiple things at once. It, it, you, you experientially know that the past is gone. You don't have to coach yourself into it. But, but if you truly ask what's important right now, every athlete knows what I'm about to do is what's important right now. That's the only ever right answer. And it's like, well, but I want to win. That's what's important now. Well, how do I do that? Well, it's by paying attention to what's going to happen right now. Like it keeps coming back to the right answer. And you can do it quickly with that one question. And, and again, this touches on the process versus outcome orientation of our focus, of our goals, because in this case, he was very, uh, very attached to that personal standard, that quality level that we had uh, days before. And so, we, again, it was taking a toll. 
and yeah process 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 uh, i will ask you to in less than a minute uh, bring up that story of the physician or surgeon uh what's going through his mind during a surgery uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, if i'm remembering the one that you're, you're referring to it's like do i want my surgeon when they're cutting me open thinking about how good they're doing you know, how to do with their last patient or how they're going to celebrate afterwards. Like if they're cutting open my heart, I want them millimeter by millimeter paying attention to what they're doing. And I think everybody would agree with that. And so why wouldn't we want that in every other aspect of our life as well too? You know, um, surgery is so delicate and they will even like quiet the room and, you know, I really have to concentrate here. And that's just a really easy example, I believe, of kind of saying we would like to bring that level of intentionality and focus because we know that that's what it takes. Um, so we can just take that general experience of how we want our surgeons to open us up to how we want to play our, our sports. You know, stay in the moment because performance and life happens only in the moment right now. Yeah, so great. And uh, on this sport again and many others, and I, I've heard this from tennis and other record sports, uh, that uh, the success uh, one achieves at the top level where athletes are so, so good, like technically and physically, they are, may we say, the same. And what makes the difference is the mental aspects, the way they go around this. And 90% of what explains that success may be these aspects. So just pushing these again onto here. Good, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, to, to finish, uh, this is a question I always do to our guests. It may be like an unfortunate one because we always want to consider context and idiosyncrasies again uh, but um, what is for you the main ingredient uh, for an athlete to efficiently work his or her sports practice on an individual standpoint good question um if you had to pick one <laughs> So I'm going to, I'm going to jump on the efficiently aspect of, right? Cause there's, there's a lot of different things about, well, what's the best, but I, I believe that if you want to be the most efficient, that would suggest to me, how do you maximize what you have? And so I would actually say sleep would be number one. We could do another hour on this, but I have developed such a respect for sleep. And as I've prioritized that in my athletes, the amount of performance improvement that I've gotten when they've had disrupted sleep goes far beyond anything I teach them with the mental skills. Because to use another metaphor, like you could have a Ferrari with this great engine and this and that, and if there's no gas in the tank, it's not gonna go anywhere. And sleep is your gas in the tank. You just ultimately need it. And you're only gonna go as far as much as you have it. So if we're gonna talk about efficiently, what do people do? You gotta start off with getting your recovery because it maximizes your mind's ability to learn and to think and to be clear and your emotions and to heal your body after training. Like sleep affects every aspect of your body. There's not a process in your body that's not, not affected by sleep and your performance comes from that. So you will get the biggest bang from every single workout and every single mental skill that you develop if you're getting good quality eight, nine hours or more if you're a professional athlete and working out more of sleep. So if there's only one thing that you could do, if there's a first step that you wanna take in your performance enhancement journey, I'd be like, address your sleep and be sure you're getting good quality. Yeah, so great. I always love these answers. Uh, 
it got me the chills and uh, we at EWS are thinking about making an episode of one of our rubrics uh, fresh research bringing from scientific research the the goodies of of sleep because there's a ton yeah. of it and uh, there's a meta analysis on like past year on athletes it uh, maybe we have to prioritize that execution also um so yeah Where can people find you? Well, I hope I've made it easy, but the, the place where all my stuff is contained is on my website, easy to remember, dreddieoconnor.com. And from there, there's links to my YouTube channel, my social media. Um, there's a link there for my telehealth, individual consulting, and there's a link there for my success stories membership, um, as well as the great courses uh, link for my uh, course, the psychology of performance, how to be your best in life. So it's a one-stop shop for everything there, um, dreddieoconnor.com. Yeah. But yeah, that course on the great courses website, the psychology of performance, how to be your best in life, maybe very well a great one combining many of the things of several years of experience you have on these areas and uh, may I say just a quote you have there from Catherine Lyon, the senior academic content supervisor there, where she said, I work with the finest professors and content experts over a wide range of academic and professional disciplines. And Dr. Eddie is one of the very best. He is a hardworking and accomplished professional, a caring and supportive coach, and a charming, upbeat and enthusiastic presenter. I guess you achieve all of that. This seems like <laughs> cheesy and those uh, eccentric uh, quotations we have on the testimonials page but uh, it's worth it and i i wish you all the best you you deserve a, a, a bigger popularity uh, i have these best wishes more than for you for the athletes and coaches that can benefit from this so i'm very honored to have had you here on ews and uh, I will, I will also remind our listeners to our curated playlists that are being developed on uh, EWS Spotify. If you search for EWS, you, you will find those playlists divided by types of content and all of that stuff. And maybe I will insert this one there, other ones from you on other places and others on sleep, a big priority now. Very good. Again, thank you. My pleasure. Appreciate the kind words. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this EWS interview. To see more, go to ewsport.eu. If you want to open up a discussion about some topic address, reach out by commenting below or leave a message at ewsport.eu. Hope you enjoyed. See you on the next one. you that you can write a comment right there on some podcast apps on our instagram at ewsport.eu or even by sending a quick voice message on the clickable link i leave right at the end of this episode description if you prefer to stay anonymous this is a good option all simple and free so take the time to do so and take a step to be closer of efficiently work your sports practice until then take care